Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with Social Selling, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Yes, indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. I have a quote from Jay Bayer, B-A-E-R, founder and president of Convince and Convert. He advises 700 companies. Oh, my goodness. He started five multi-million dollar businesses from scratch, and he's in the Word of Mouth Marketing Hall of Fame. Never heard of that. And five New York Times bestseller books. So what? Here's what he said. Content is fire. Social media is gasoline. Just think about that. Fuel social media. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Let's do a reality check here. You may think you know what the world's oldest profession is, but I'm here to tell you it is sales. Just let that sink in. Well, while each technological era, and we're having so many of them so close together, each era has impacted how today's salesperson, salesperson sells, only recently has technology in the form of everything going digital and social media, shifted the power from the B2B seller to the B2B buyer. Now also think about that. Seller no longer is in the power seat. Buyer is taking charge of their journey. We talk about this over and over on so many of our Game Changer shows. So now, a B2B buyer can search and shop for an enterprise solution, whatever it is, as easily as looking for and buying a garage door opener on Amazon. Seriously, that's an easy journey. So... How have today's most successful companies made the paradigm shift to a social selling culture that benefits the salesperson, the marketing person, and are they still talking to each other? Well, they should be. And the customer. That's a triad that needs to be addressed all along every side of that triangle. I am so pleased to welcome you. And our topic today is social selling secrets of companies doing it well. Are you one yet? You may very well become one after you listen to today's show. So let me tell you who our three panelists are, and then I will get started with their opening quotes. In just a moment, I'll be welcoming back Bernie Borges. He always tells me it rhymes with gorgeous. Yes, Bernie, co-founder and CEO of a recently formed company named Vengresso, and we've already had many of your colleagues on the show. Bernie, happy to have you back. Also welcoming back Gabe Villamizar, head of B2B Marketing at a company called Lucid Chart, L-U-C-I-D-C-H-A-R-T. We'll find out what his company does. Welcome back. And Gabe still wears a cool hat on backwards. Love the picture, Gabe. And welcoming our newcomer today, Michael Labati. He is Head of Program Development and Operations for Global Social Selling at SAP. And he's a colleague of the lady at SAP who sponsors this series, Kirsten Boylow. So she has sent us Michael to be on the panel today. Welcome to our panelists. Bernie Borges has sent us a quote that is an English proverb. Bernie, we very rarely get proverbs, but it was interesting, so I'm going to let you go with this one. And by the way, if anybody doesn't know the meaning of a proverb, since I couldn't find the author, a proverb is a short, pithy saying in general use, stating a general truth or a piece of advice. Here is the quote from the proverb Bernie has sent us. You may find the worst enemy or best friend in yourself. Bernie Borges, how are you? Well, Bonnie, thank you so much for having me back. Well, you earned it. You deserve it. Now, now, honestly, you're the co-founder and CEO of Ingresso. How's that going? 
We are a rocket ship. You know, if uh, if we were Elon Musk, we haven't reached Mars yet, but we are en route. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. We just spoke with Vivica von Rosen recently. We've spoken with uh, Bryn Tillman uh, and several others from, from Mario Martinez, Mario M. Martinez Jr., of course, and I think Kurt Shaver. We haven't had him on in a while, so yeah. we're happy to have the whole, whole Van Gresso family. So, Bernie, let's focus on this quote. You may find the worst enemy or best friend in yourself. Let's re- reference this, reflect this on our topic, social selling secrets from companies doing it well. Bernie? Yes. So, you know, oftentimes we are our own either best friend or worst enemy. So when it comes to social selling, um, I believe that the number one thing that professionals really need to embrace is behavior change. Mm -hmm. And, And while skills are important, and yes, they are, they're very important, behavior change is in the mind. And that's where we have to really look at ourselves and uh, enable ourselves, allow ourselves, empower ourselves, if you will, through whatever training and coaching we receive in social selling to then become proficient at it in a way that's valuable to the customer, valuable to our companies. But it starts with ourselves and that behavior change. And that's really why that, that quote resonates with me, Bonnie. Very, very interesting. Bernie, just a quick question on this. The behavior change, does this come from, is it instigated by or pushed by management? Is it pushed by the person saying, oh boy, not meeting my quotas. I have all these great new social selling tools. Must be something I'm doing wrong. My approach, my persona, my speaking version of of my best self online. Uh, where, Where does this come from? In other words, who holds up the mirror for somebody to say, I need to change? Yeah. So it's, um, it's not a black and white one, one part answer. It's multifaceted. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's leadership making the decision that, you know, we as a sales organization, we need to be a modern sales organization and meet the needs of our modern buyer. So leadership needs to make that decision. There needs to be a culture that supports that. There needs to be training and enablement to support that. And then there needs to be ongoing communication inside the organization to support that. And, of course, tools and technologies to enable that, to make it uh, easy, to make it um, efficient, to make it, to gamify it. You know, so Mm -hmm. all these things have to come together for that behavior change to happen, including coaching. Coaching, you know, can can play an important part because sometimes people need that one-on-one coaching to really kind of get through certain hurdles and obstacles to, again, achieve that behavior change. Thank you, Bernie. Great answer. And, and yes, I'm, I'm thinking that a lot of people, and by the way, I'm going to go back in, in time here. On our last episode, I believe, of this series, we talked about what happens after the training. When your employees, when your team go back to their day-to-day jobs and they have all these wonderful lessons in how to use social selling, how to be social savvy, how not to push for the sale, how to be a helpful guide and partner in the customer's journey. We all know the rest of that sentence. And does it really happen and how do you measure the progress? So you tied that in very nicely and I thank you. We're going to be hearing a lot more from Bernie during the show. And now let's turn to our second guest, Gabe Villamizar. And Gabe has sent us a quote from Aristotle. 
Now, I know everyone listening around the world is way too young to know who he was, but 384 to 322 B.C., yes, they sounded, they counted the big numbers to the small numbers in B.C., was an ancient Greek philosopher and scientist born in the city of Stagira, Chalcides, on the northern periphery of classical Greece. Hope I got that right. Along with Plato, Aristotle is considered the father of Western philosophy. Let's just stop there. Here is the quote. We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. Gabe, welcome back to Game Changers Radio. How have you been? What's up, Bonnie? Thanks for having me. I've been great. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. <laughs> well, you covered all the time zones, Gabe. So tell me something. Seriously, you found a quote from Aristotle. I'm, I'm very, uh, I have great admiration for you for doing that. What does this have to do with our social selling topic? Yeah, I mean, like like Bernie was saying, it's a habit. It's, it's all about changing behavior. It's all about doing something consistently. I like to refer and give to the example of brushing your teeth. Brushing your teeth once or twice a day does nothing. But if you do it over a long period of time, you prevent cavities. And therefore, that you know, brushing your teeth for a single minute becomes magical. It becomes wonderful. So same thing with social selling. It's just consistency. Like a lot of people ask, you know, top social sellers or, or ask me, like, how do you do it? And I'm like, dude, I'm not doing anything special. I'm just being consistent and testing and failing and keep innovating. Oh, very, very interesting. So tell me something. Repeatedly do, and I mentioned to Bernie just a moment ago that we covered the topic of social selling training. So I guess it's key that the people taking the training get it right and hear it right and instill in themselves the right values and the right forms, formats, whatever we want to call it, the right ways of doing it. Because if they keep repeating it and it's wrong, that will be the wrong habit. How do you cut through that? Uh, I won't use the word clutter. I just did. But how do you cut through that option of doing it wrong repeatedly and who gets to catch them before it gets to be too much of a habit. Any thoughts on that, Gabe? Yeah, so there has to be somebody who trains and there also has to be somebody that's coaching in the trenches with the sales reps. Whether that training coach model is the same individual, the same person, the same team, whether in marketing, sales enablement, or somebody in sales, that coaching aspect one-on-one tailored to each specific team, tailored to each specific goals or, or quarterly goals, monthly goals, or, 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 or weekly goals, needs to be there. So it's not, and it has to be someone that has done it before, and it has to be someone that has been in their shoes or currently is in their shoes. Thank you very much. Very well put. I appreciate that, Gabe. But we'll be hearing a lot more from you. And now Love let's it. turn to our brand new newcomer on the show, Michael Labati at SAP. And Michael has sent us a quote from Jimmy Dean. Michael, this is the first time Jimmy Jimmy Dean has been quoted slash appeared on a Game Changer show, and I'm delighted. Jimmy Ray Dean, 1928 to 2010, American country music singer, TV host, actor, and businessman. And we all know him as the creator of the Jimmy Dean sausage brand. Well, how about that? He rose to fame with his 1961 country crossover hit, Big Bad John. I try not to sing on the radio, but I couldn't help that. And his TV series, The Jimmy Dean Show. And I don't know if you know, but he gave puppeteer Jim Henson his first national media exposure on The Jimmy Dean Show. So there's another tie into somebody else famous. Uh, his, Let's see. He had a supporting role in the James Bond movie Diamonds Are Forever in 1971 and was nominated for the Country Music Hall of Fame in 2010 and formally inducted after he passed away. Here's the quote. I can't change the direction of the wind, but I can adjust my sails to always reach my destination. Michael Labati, 
officially welcome to Game Changers Radio. How are you today? Well, first of all, Bonnie, thank you so much for having me, and uh, I really uh, am excited to be here. Good. We're glad you're excited. Now, talk to me. Are you a big fan of country music? Did you watch the Jimmy Dean show? Do you remember Big Bad John? <laughs> Sorry, I can't help that. <laughs> Go ahead, Michael. Well, I look, I like all of that, but that's not the reason. Uh, one of my, the, the, the biggest reason I chose this quote, which I just love, uh, sets the stage or the tone really well for, for what I believe is happening in the, in the digital economy today, right? Where it, it, it explains the reason that without changing your behavior, you're going to be left at sea, blowing in the direction of whatever uh, the customer is doing, and you're at the mercy of the customer. That's not a good spot to be in. You're, you're, you know, sellers are sort of losing control. Buyers don't necessarily require a uh, conversation uh, with a seller until later stage when their decisions already sort of been influenced. And by the way, you said earlier, Bonnie, um, buyers are in control in, in the B2B space especially. I also have been observing that peers are very much part of that influence. Uh, the buyer may be in control, but peers are the ones really who have the essence to, to influence the behavior uh, more than anything else. So I think that's really important. This quote really hits home that uh, if you don't correct your course, if you don't change your behavior, you're going to be uh, waiting uh, a long time for phones to ring. And you got to get, uh, you know, you got to engage buyers where they where they're going to be, where they are, how they behave, and I think it's really important. Thank you very much, and Michael, that plays very nicely into what we were discussing just a moment ago with Bernie Borges and Gabe Villamizar, the idea of adjusting the sales. And I think I asked one of them, "What if you're instilling the wrong habit?" And you are repeating it and the wrong thing. And, and I think Gabe just said you need coaching and, and we need people to monitor what's going on. And that plays very nicely into our topic today of social selling secrets of companies doing it well. We've talked about the team. We've talked about trainers and coaches. We talked about peers. We talked a little bit about the B2B buying journey. Who is in charge anymore? Not the salesperson. So let's circle around the table and let's go back to Bernie Borges. And Bernie, you know what I'm going to ask you. Where are you calling from? And either what's in your cup today, if it really, really makes you happy, or what would you rather be drinking? Bernie Borges, talk to me. So I am calling from Palm Harbor, Florida, which is a suburb of Tampa, Florida, where it is a lovely uh, 60-ish or so degrees and a nice uh, blue sky, sunny day. So not a complaint in the world for, for <laughs> me, <laughs> especially since I know that at this moment uh, there's a nor'easter going on in the U.S. So uh, I don't envy many, many of my friends and colleagues who are dealing with that right now and certainly thinking of them. So I never say that in, in a way of like rubbing it in. I'm just, it's my reality and certainly <laughs> grateful for it. Um, I recently finished a black cup of coffee. I say black because I don't put anything in it. I learned years ago to uh, just drink coffee exactly as it is out of the pot. Black, no sweetener, no cream, no nothing. And, um, you know, at this moment in time, given the time of the morning, in Eastern time, it's only a little after 10 a.m., there's really nothing else I'd rather be drinking at this time of day. Ask me again at 7 p.m., and I'd have a different answer for you. 
Okay, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And you know what I'm going to say about coffee in just a couple of minutes, but don't tell anybody. Gabe Villamizar, where are you calling from today? And what's in your cup? I should say, what's in your hat, Gabe? I, uh, Gabe, tell me, what hat is it? What hat is it you actually wear in those photos? Gabe has a, a cap that goes backwards, you know, with the with the thing in the back, the little tab on the on the front of his forehead. It's really cool looking. Gabe, what are you drinking? Where are you? Yeah, I'm in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, they, they call it Silicon Slopes these days because there's a lot of tech companies kind of popping out of here. Um, and uh, I'm just drinking water. It's kind of odd for me, but that's the first thing I saw when I left my house. Uh, later this afternoon, I'm most likely going to be drinking like some Red Bull or something to get me going. Yes, I know it's not healthy, but hey, that's <laughs> what gets me going. So. Hey, that's what's important. Do you have a special flavor of Red Bull? I know your fans would like to yes. know what powers you. Excellent what is it? question. Thank yeah, you. the passion fruit one, the yellow one. Like the regular Red Bull just tastes like crap straight up. Like like who drinks that regular stuff? Uh, it's all about <laughs> like either the, the kiwi, uh, the kiwi, I think. Uh, yeah, the kiwi kind, which is the, the green bottle or the green can and then or the passion fruit one, which is the yellow kind. Like uh, those Thank two are the best. So Well, passion fruit certainly goes. I just found a recipe here on YouTube, how to make a Red Bull passion slush. Have you ever made one of those? Dang. No, you should make me one and send me one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it would hold up in the mail, my friend. I really don't. But if you go to Red Bull Passion Slush, go go on YouTube, and it's by uh, somebody called Cooking Guide, all one word, and go find it. Okay? There you go. We'll oh, very, out. very and now there's a passion fruit pomegranate flavored Red Bull. Oh, my goodness. We're just, just going through the Red Bull menu here. Thank oh, you very boy. much, Gabe. And Michael yep. Labati, where are you? And what do you love to drink, Michael? Well, I am in West Delray, Boca Raton, Florida. So I share a similar climate as our guest, Bernie. Uh, it's about 70 degrees, cool, brisk outside, which is a nice change because for January, we've had some heat and uh, unexpected. So before I tell you what's in my cup, I have to set the stage. And Bonnie, I'm gonna I'm gonna use you as as uh, as, as my as my sort of uh, guest in this little imagination. So okay. imagine you and I are, are sitting in my backyard, and uh, we're we're resting in our side by side in Adirondack chairs around a fire pit on a cool okay. night. Mm-hmm. Some light music in the background. So what I've got in my glass and yours are two finger pour of Blanton's bourbon, which is just exquisite. Mmm. What's the name of the, of the, tell me again, what's the label? So, Blanton's, B-L-A-N-T-O-N-S, and it's a bourbon. It's a Kentucky bourbon. And for anyone that's, uh, that's in, is an enthusiast of bourbon, uh, you know, many, many times you come from scotch and you, and you want to have a softer uh, finish, so you, you head to bourbon. And for a while, I had had uh, tasted a few bourbons here and there, and nothing compares to Blanton's. And there's a nice um, there's a, there's a nice thing about Blanton's that I'll share. On the top of every Blanton's bottle is a is a horse and a rider, uh, little figurine. I'm and looking at it. The rider, mm-hmm. yeah, beneath the rider and the horse is a letter, and the letter represents each letter of the brand. So if you collect all of these bottle figurines and you send them to the company they create a structure in the form of the word blanton's and they send it back to you which is really nice if you're an enthusiast but definitely a great taste that's what's in your and my cup this evening fire pit and i well, call it thank fireside you. bourbon 
Thank you for inviting, with Bonnie, thank you for inviting me on the date. I appreciate it. I'll be right there. Now, here's here's Blanton's, Blanton's Bourbon, B-L-A-N-T-O-N-S, Bourbon, B-O-U-R-B-O-N.com. That's the way Colonel Albert B. Blanton first bottled his private reserve bourbon nearly a century ago. He believed the quote-unquote center cut or middle sections of Warehouse H were the best for aging his bourbon. Personally tasting and choosing each barrel, these barrels were reserved and bottled for ambassadors and dignitaries. Well, 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 Michael, and we see the price range goes up into the 150 a bottle, and I'm going to say, woohoo, okay, so thank you very much. This is the first time Blanton's has been on Game Changers Radio as Jimmy Dean, so you're batting, batting a thousand here, Michael, appreciate that. Uh, Bernie knows, and Gabe may remember, and Michael doesn't know, they don't let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days, and today is a doubleheader. I have another live show, The Future of Work with Game Changers at 12 noon, an hour after we're off the air, so all I'm allowed to have is water, oh well, cool, clear water from my Brita filter. And I have the same cool, clear mug, Bernie and Gabe, that I had when I was hosting it from New York, from my New York office. And I have a green straw because it is here. I moved to Durham, North Carolina almost six months ago. And we have sort of green all year round. We are not enjoying your Florida weather, uh, Bernie and and Michael. Uh, it's gray today. And we have a little bit of the New York weather pattern. We had snow three weeks ago. Then we had 70-degree weather the week after that. And now it's kind of been in between. And we had a little tail end of the nor'easter, maybe the leading edge three days ago with 60 mile an hour winds woohoo anyway I'm enjoying my water and I'm enjoying this conversation with my three very special guests Bernie Borges at Vengresso go Vengresso Gabe Villamizer Gabe before we go to break tell me what does the company do Lucid Chart I forgot to ask what does it do yeah we're a cloud based diagramming flow chart uh, platform that helps bring clarity to complex ideas I like that. That was very well put. And we also have Michael Abadi from SAP. And a shout-out to Kirsten Boylo, sponsor of this series, Going Well. Kirsten, we're talking today about social selling, secrets of companies doing it well. And when we say companies doing it well, we're going to be addressing all levels of the companies that are doing well because social selling is not just one person's job. I want to say, damn it, mm-hmm. like, to just, just right? Am I right? This this is a team yeah. effort. This is a branding effort. This is a everybody can do it, should be doing it, but they should be doing it well and somebody has to be paying attention so we're going to deep dive into our roundtable when we come back so here's my message to all of you listeners around the world don't even think of touching that mouse that app that dial you know the drill Aaron out when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network Social media is taking sales organizations by storm, and only those who adapt quickly into the new digital world will be around in the future. Social selling is a concept that has implications to all lines of business, from building the fundamentals in the sales process and getting the content marketing mix right, to building cross-functional teams and ultimately changing the way buyers and sellers engage in a digital world. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how social selling is changing the world of business. Changing the Game with Social Selling is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
You're listening to Changing the Game with Social Selling, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to changing the game with social selling. Yes, indeed. The game of social selling is changing and social selling is changing the game of selling. A lot of ways to permutate that topic. Here we are with Bernie Borges at Vengresso, Gabe Villamizar at Lucid Chart and Michael Labati at SAP. I'm still Bonnie DeGram and I plan to be for the rest of the show. After that, all bets are off. We're going to start the roundtable with some notes here from Bernie Borges. And Bernie, let me just read a little bit. Uh, you're going to talk about the key ingredients with social, successful social selling strategy. Let me just read a couple of headlines here. Let's see how much you can cover in your two minutes and then we'll go around the table and see what Gabe and Michael have to say. You can talk about executive support, training, ongoing communication, gamification, and the big one we talk about, marketing and sales alignment. Uh-huh. Okay, Bernie Borges, tell me. Well, Bonnie, as you can see here, we've listed, what, three, five ingredients, yep. right? And just like a fine mm-hmm. meal, it has multiple ingredients. You know, likewise, successful social selling in a B2B company really requires uh, these ingredients. So starting with executive support, you know, if leadership isn't behind it, then, you know, in the best case scenario, usually it's going to be short-lived or just a portion of a sales organization, you know, might impact some behavior change, might have some success. But with executive support, leadership, getting behind a strategic program around social selling, then that has a much greater chance of it being actually successful across the entire sales organization. And, of course, the best case scenario is 100% adoption, depending on the size of the sales team. If you have thousands and thousands and thousands of salespeople, then perhaps 100% adoption may or may not happen but the closer you can get to that, the better. And it starts with executives getting behind a program. Of course, then it requires training. And, you know, I like to say that social selling isn't rocket science. However, there are some skills that need to be developed. And whether you're 25 and you grew up on the Internet or you're 55 and you didn't grow up on the Internet, but you've been selling for decades, there are skills that need to be acquired. And again, it isn't rocket science, but providing the training to teach the sales team these digital selling, social selling skills is an Mm -hmm. important ingredient. Now, along with that, and Gabe mentioned this earlier, um, comes coaching. Coaching is an important part of, I actually lump the two together, training and then ongoing coaching. Uh Best case scenario, even some one-on-one coaching is really helpful. Ongoing communication, so that, again, the leadership team and the, the team in general that's behind it can provide ongoing updates on success stories to help motivate the sales team, especially those that are still kind of onboarding. And then because salespeople are competitive, if you can provide some gamification and showing a leaderboard, showing maybe pipeline attribution of the salespeople that are, that have been actively engaged in social selling, that's a really effective way to kind of keep the buzz going, keep the communication going And then the big one, Bonnie, as you said, is marketing and sales alignment. Marketing Mm -hmm. needs to be contributing. As you said at the top of the show, content is is fuel for social engagement. So marketing needs to be contributing content, needs to be engaged in the social selling process and not separated out on on an island. So the sales team, the enablement team, and the marketing team need to be lockstep working together 
to deliver and support a program that makes it as easy as possible for the sales team to onboard and participate and uh, on an ongoing basis engage so that they can be as successful as possible. As Michael said, you know, the buyers change. It's difficult to get on the buyer's radar. So the extent to which marketing can feed salespeople great content that's relevant, then the salespeople can use that content as a way to, to get on the buyer's radar, insert themselves, and I use that word to the buyer's journey. So I think I probably hit, hit or exceeded my two minutes, but those are the five key ingredients that I believe are necessary for a successful social selling strategy. Good. Uh, Bernie, master, masterfully covered all of those in, in your time. I appreciate that. Let's see what Gabe Villamizar has to say about Bernie's list. Agree with all of it, any of the explanations, Gabe, and then we'll ask Michael the same thing. Go ahead, Gabe. No, uh, you know, he covered a lot of great points. I think there's a little bit more to that, but I want to touch on the point that Bernie um, brought up first, which is executive buy-in. So I've done this in multiple organizations. Uh, I, I did this same thing, implemented social selling at InsideSales.com in 2013, 2015. I did it at View, and now I, I, I've, I've done it, and I'm continuously doing it here at LucidChart. So at uh, LucidChart, we have about 57 inside sales reps that I train and coach on a daily and weekly basis. And it took me about eight months to get the program off the ground, meaning it took me eight months of daily, you know, proposals or, or communication convincing to get executive buy-in for the executive to kind of really see either, number one, I was doing a crappy job of convincing them. Number two, mm-hmm. it just takes a long time. Or number three, um, right, it wasn't the right time and I wasn't at the right place. But I was just consistent. I, you know, I showed them different angles of it. Uh, I showed them a few, you know, easy wins that have happened from current champions of social selling here at Lisa Chart. But that's something that, um, you know, the reason why I'm saying that is because, you know, if you're trying to implement a social selling program, it shouldn't happen overnight. It shouldn't happen in a quarter. Maybe it shouldn't happen within a month. It, it all varies, really. There's not like, a, 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 you know, a one time that, hey, this is how, this is how you should expect. You can get wins right away. You can get something. But to create a predictable, scalable social selling program, it takes time. And I do not know what that means for your organization. Here at Lucichart, it's taken me eight months, uh, and it really will make or break if your executives are bought in or not. Gabe, I want to add the word patience to the list of key ingredients in, in Bernie's list. Bernie, just quickly, agree or disagree? Patience. Oh, absolutely. It does take time. It's, you know, the old uh, cliche, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It, it takes time. Absolutely. Love it. Thank you. I, I wanted to get that in there because I'm, I'm hearing that. We'll talk a little bit about what size companies need to plan on how much time. I think it can take up to a couple of years. Michael Labati, we'd love to get your thoughts on what we're talking about. Join us, please. Yeah, well, thank you. And uh, I like what Gabe said. I won't challenge. I'm just going to expound because the, car, the points are, are well covered. Here, here's the thing. Getting the executive buy-in uh, is really an ROI uh, question. Right, executives, especially top leaders, are going to make a. Uh, they're going to enforce a change that covers, uh, that requires budget, that requires people, and that requires time, uh, capital resources. They they really need to understand the value. The problem is, what the value that social selling provides after the fact is usually through a correlation. We have we have a social selling index score. Uh, there are those that have done research to show that there's a correlation between higher SSI 
LinkedIn's SSI score means higher uh, or, or better pipeline um, and, and revenues. The problem is it's not ca- causality, and, and executives need to see causality before they start writing a check. So I think what we're going to see this year, uh, and, and as we move along, but certainly this year, uh, because a lot, you're, you're having a greater rate of adoption, uh, as, as folks like Vangresso have, have mentioned, you know, the, the companies out there do see the, um, uh, the lower uh, quota attainment happening. They're having growth and revenue problems. So, so people are looking around, what can we do to invest? Do we need more technology? No, I don't think you want to add more tech. We need, it's, it's something different than that. And they start asking questions and more questions. The problem is correlation doesn't buy budget. What wins your budget is causality. So I think what companies are going to really, I think what, well, the experts on this call and others in the community are going to have to start looking at ways to measure social selling to draw it back to greater pipeline, uh, bigger deal size, uh, a, a more efficient lead to acceptance ratio. You know, these key laggard and, and, and uh, leading indicators and laggard indicators. So I think my colleagues say, well, but we should really start to focus on how to measure in ways that answer the question, what is the return on every dollar I make uh, back to this organization for changing the behavior? Thank you, Michael. Interesting uh, sidebar there. I appreciate that because it does need to be measured. And, and I'm wondering if that goes right to the heart of what Gabe just mentioned. It's taken him eight months where he is right now at LucidChart. Uh, how do you gauge how long it takes when it becomes a successful program? Gabe, let me get you to comment on what Michael added, and then we'll get Bernie's comment as well. Gabe? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he brought up a really valid point. Um I like to add on, on that, like, I mean, I, I wish that we really had a, a place or a time uh, or a magic ball that says, hey, if your company is this size, um, then it's going to uh-huh. take you this long. If your company is yes. another size, then it's going to take you that long. Uh, I mean, I, I think based on, like, uh, on what Lisa chart right now, when I came on board, we had 200 employees about a year and a half ago. Right now, fast forward it, uh, a year and a half later, we're almost 400, so we've almost mm. doubled in size. Um, and, and it's taken me eight months. At higher view, it took me about two months, you know, two months to really get the program on board. Um, so, so, again, like, what, what does that timeline look like for you? What is that timeline? Uh, and, and something that always comes to mind is um, behavior fuels process. That, that's a quote that I like to, um, I like to say quite often um, based on, on the, the CEO of Exploit, uh, Rob Jepson, you know, behavior fuels process, and that's, Who's going to be um, kind of fueling that behavior and ensuring that all of that happens? So, anyway, those are my thoughts on that. Thank you very much. Uh, Bernie Borges, love to get your thoughts on it. What do you think? So, I'll come back to something that Michael said. He used the word causality, and I like that word a lot. Um, I, I use uh, a different word, not to disagree. I agree with Michael 100%. I, I use the word attribution, and Michael, I think I've actually, I think I've heard you actually use that word as well where if you can attribute results, whether it's pipeline or closed, closed deals or even, you know, even just, you know, well, opportunities, which can be pipeline, you can attribute that to your social selling activities, then that's part of what can be measured, and it's part of what can also drive the adoption. 
Now, um, Gabe, maybe offline, you know, in other conversations, I'd love to know why, you know, eight months versus two months. And, you know, if I were to guess, and I could be wrong, you know, culture might be a factor. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, mid-level leadership, you know, isn't totally on board. Or maybe even, you know, the, the skills development process is just taking longer than originally planned. Whatever the actual reasons are, they're always going to be unique to mm-hmm. each company. And, Gabe, as you said, there is no black and white formula that says here's how long it takes because, as you've experienced in multiple companies, you know, each company has unique circumstances. Thank you, Bernie. Now and that's that, a per, per- – go ahead, Gabe, because I'm going I'm to pick something from your notes here, Gabe. Can I do that? And then we'll, we'll continue this yeah, part no, of the conversation. Yeah, I, I think you, you nailed it, Bernie. Yep. Thank you. He did nail it, and that's a perfect lead-in. I want to talk about the tools and, and some of the, the downside here. Uh, Gabe told me in his notes, he said, the ideal sales tech stack – to ensure social selling success and to continue scaling your social selling program, which reflects on what you just said, Gabe. A year and a half ago, your company, Lucidchart, had 200. Now you have 400. You've got to scale up. You've got to scale it wide and, and large to include everybody. And, and you say in order to increase the chances of creating a world-class social selling program, you need a phone, you need email, you need social selling platform technology and best practices. And then let me bring in the cultural part. I think Bernie just alluded to that. And you have to deal with the non-believers who may have influence or, or authority over the sales department and whether you are allowed to continue to train, to coach, and to scale. So can we bundle all of those together somehow, Gabe? I think there's a lot of interesting things our listeners would like to know. Go ahead, Gabe. Absolutely. So. There's this, you know, this whole social selling movement have been, has been going around, you know, pretty heavily the past few years, the past five years, whatever. Um, and then all of a sudden, right, the term social selling itself gets kind of tricky because it kind of just came across as like, great, I don't have to cold call anymore. Great, I don't have to send cold emails, right? Well, in reality, I mean, the workforce is so diverse. You have Gen X, you have Gen Z, you have millennials, Gen Y, baby boomers. So... There's a variety of people that choose different ways of how to communicate. So having said that, cold calling is not dead. I mean, you can warm it up with social selling, right? Mm-hmm. Cold emailing is not dead. You can warm it up and do your homework with social selling. So there still needs to be, in 2018, a solid foundational B2B, B2C, whatever you use social selling for, sell strategy in order to make social selling work. Because number one mistake sellers do they see a shiny tool, they see a shiny object, maybe their marketing team does a really good job of promoting their tool, they jump on it without having a foundational sales process in place already, meaning uh, you know, a, a phone cadence or an email cadence or social selling cadence, and they try 100% social selling on its own. And that works for some people, but I would say for most people, you need to have a diverse cadence of sales touches in order to get to your modern buyer these days. And that includes phone, that includes email, that includes social selling. It's not social selling 100% and turn off phone and turn off email. Mm-hmm. You know, what about the naysayers? What about the non-believers? Uh, I, I think in any company that is established, uh, Gabe, tell me if I'm right, in a company that's been around a while, you're going to have the, ah, really? We got to go on social media, LinkedIn, I hate that thing, Facebook, what are you talking about? And not to do an old New York accent, but that's what I just did. But seriously, uh, how do you deal with them? How do you get them on board? Or don't you? Gabe, maybe you don't need to get them on board. You just need to train from the bottom up and, and convince them by showing that the numbers are improving. What's your method of choice? 
I, I literally ignore them. I mean, they, they usually <laughs> join the first training or coaching session, maybe one or two. And then, and, and I say to everybody, hey, my doors are open. You can come and interrupt me on my desk whenever you want. If you have questions, if you want me to jump on a call with you, um, I'm not going to force this down anybody's throat or face or whatever. I'm not here to kind of convince you that social selling works. I'm just here to show you what has worked for me and the coaches. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm sorry, the sales reps and the people I've done this before. And here's the success they've had. The success is real. There's real ROI. Here are the raw numbers. This is how much pipeline we've generated through social selling attribution. This is how much, you know, close one deals has been generated through or influenced through social selling. And these numbers are real. I've been doing this, you know, for the past five years. Uh, so again, like I used to, I, when I first started, you know, the social selling journey, I, I used to think, that, oh, I want to convince the whole world and the whole naysayers and, and convert into this whole social selling religion or whatever. But then, you know, a few, like I think about two, two and a half years ago, I'm like, you know what? I'm not here to convince those people. I'm, I'm here really here to coach and train on the people who are hungry, who want to learn, who are humble, teachable, and things of that nature. Thank you very much. Very well handled. Michael Labati, love to get your thoughts. Agree or disagree with Gabe? Well, I think what I'm agreeing here with is certainly the sentiment that you can, uh, you can only train people who are receptive. You can't convince someone, uh, what is it, oh, oh, you, know, you can't convince a, a dog that has been trained for 50 years uh, to do something one way, and the next day uh, they've got to change their behaviors. It, it takes time. I think what what, I think what's really important, though, is, is answering the why, right? Helping, under, helping folks understand why this, there, there's been a change, right? The, the buying behavior changing towards digital has been happening for over a decade. Um, sellers are responding to this. This is not proactive. I, I, mm. I wish it was. We'd probably be in a better... In a better we're, we're in a merciless situation. We're, we are reacting to something that's ha- that has happened not something that will happen. So uh, to, to Gabe's point, you do have to focus on where the, the biggest uh, or the highest degree of reception is so that you can make sure that you're, you're growing your business. Um, we, and we, we, at the same time, we, we do have a responsibility as, as digital sales leaders to uh, help inform the big why so that those that are struggling that have not yet adopted or don't see the value um, can 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 try this at least and step into it with ease and and not with uh, you know because the shifting of mindset which is really what this is about is an extraordinary undertaking to to have someone that owns a number right I'm talking about a salesperson a manager that owns the big number this, the, the the quota or a rep that is contributing to that uh, they're going to go back to old tricks when when they when they're when it's crunch time. You know, and so we have the responsibility to make sure that they have a, a you know, they can take off safely and land mm-hmm. safely as they begin trying this out. Um, one, one other uh, note, I, I do agree with, with Gabe a lot here. Um, cold calling, it's very easy to write a book that says cold calling is dead. Uh, it, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's easy to say that. In the mm-hmm. end of the day, though, digital mm-hmm. human beings are not digital. We're not bytes. We're not zeros and ones. We will eventually pick up the phone and call. The idea, though, is that you create a genuine relationship in digital. It starts in digital because that's where the buyers are. So that, as Gabe uh, sort of mentions, you know, like he says, he says it as warming up. 
you're warming up the relationship so that a, a phone call is no longer cold. It's just a phone call, which is where you're going to wind up doing business anyway. By the time you get to close, uh, we call it one in book in, in, my, in my organization. By the time you actually close a deal, you win it and you book it, um, there is a person that you're speaking to. The idea is, can you, as a sales rep or someone that's enabling sales, can you engage that buyer the moment they realize they have a problem and they start exploring and they engage their peers? Are you part of that conversation or not? And, and if you're not, then you probably are relying on waiting for the phone to ring or you're relying on cold calls, which at the, at the mercy of a decision has already been made or influenced by peers and such much earlier in the sales cycle. Thank you, Michael. Very interesting. Bernie, let's get your thoughts on this, please. Well, I'm reminded of a conversation that happened between two sales professionals. They both had approximately 10 years sales experience. And one of them says to the other, he says, you know, I'm really worried. My pipeline is weak. I'm not able to generate enough sales conversations. I'm just, I'm not able to reach my target buyer. I know who they are, but I just can't reach them. And I'm really concerned. And he asked his friend and colleague, you know, are you struggling as well? And she said, no, where I work, we have a robust pipeline. Where I work, we're able to engage our, our buyers in conversations. Where I work, we, uh, we, we know how to reach them. And he said, to, he said to her, where do you work? And she said, I work in 2018. So mm-hmm. the, the, the point huh. behind that is that this mm-hmm. is simply, we've used these words modern buyer and modern seller a few times in this conversation, right? Yeah. So it's just a way to engage the modern buyer. And, and yes, to Gabe's point and to Michael's point, phone, email, social selling, all of those things come together. You know, Michael said, we're not robots. We do need to create sales conversations, but we also need to use the modern techniques and engage the buyer the way they want to engage. And as I said earlier, insert ourselves into the buyer's journey through credible touch points, credible engagements. And that's where the marketing piece comes back in, right? Where marketing supplies content so that if I'm a seller, I can insert myself into that buyer's journey with useful, relevant content that the buyer needs, right? So, that, so I work in 2018 and I bring all those together. Thank you very much. Good, good uh, reality check there, Bernie. Michael, we have just about three minutes before we start our predictions round, but there's something interesting here in your notes. Well, it's all interesting, obviously, in all of your notes, but something I don't think we talked about yet, and I just want to have you address this briefly, and then I'm going to circle back to Bernie and start our predictions. Can't wait for that. Uh, Michael Abadi said, one of the ways social selling programs work well, and we are talking about companies that do it well, is where the experts create new experts within their organization, and he calls it resident expertise by example. Michael, how does this work? Uh, is this more than coaching? Is this more than taking a training class and being measured on your success? How do you create, quote-unquote, experts? Sure, thank you. I think this is really, uh, this is going to resonate with anyone, especially in medium to large enterprise. Um, you have to have a, a, a you have to create a, a cycle of knowledge and training in a way that that that, uh, that enables your your sort of learning and development of social selling to sustain. Uh, if you come in and train one one or uh, one team, and I'm going to be building up sort of to the punchline here. If you mm-hmm. come in and, you, and you're you're working with, say, for example, uh, 
you're working with a team in North America. Uh, just to simplify, let's say you're 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 you're, you're uh, you've got a team in, in the United States, and they're focused on uh, selling into lower general business cloud solutions. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a team of twenty people. When you're done and you move on to the next team and you've got 100 or 200 more of those teams just like that, the, the idea is that if, you, if you're not there always, constantly there as a, as, as a coach to provide that, the essence of that training, there's a high degree, uh, and, and it's not by anyone's uh, uh, wanting, it's just that there's a high degree of, of chance that that team is going to uh, start to recede. You don't have the resident expertise in the team to keep mm-hmm. the interest alive. So, what 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 I'm referring to by resident expertise? This is where you're. This is like a train the trainer, uh, which yes. has been around for a long time, obviously. So when you when you train people, and if you come into a, that same group of twenty, um, what I like to consider is, hey guys, raise your hand, and I'm just being metaphorical here, but raise your hand. Um, if, if you kind of get this, if you want to get this, are you in digital? And a lot of times you'll get millennials that will raise their hand and, you know, that's obvious, but you know, you, the, the idea is, okay, great. We have some folks that have self-identified them, themselves to, to, to be the, to be the driver for this organization, for this team of 20. You, 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 you're, you're essentially creating, you're replicating, uh, some pieces of what you know into that group, you're creating resident expertise. So when you move on to the next, when your when your uh, when your training organization is moved on to the next team, that that uh, team that you've just uh, trained can start to come alive and self-sustain. So you're helping that resident expert become a super expert. You're not having to di- to do this across 20 people. You're able to do it on one. So this is particularly useful in medium and large enterprise. And I'll finish. I know we're out of time, but I'll finish. Yeah, I, we are out of time, and I have just th- about 30 seconds left for each of you for a prediction. So one more sentence, oh, Michael. Go ahead. I was just going to say that, that, that resident expertise is, is really about uh, making sure that, that the quality of that training is at the same level uh, of the training that, you, that your main program provides. That's really important. Thank you, Thank you very so. much, Michael. Appreciate that. Bernie Boyd, just 30 seconds. I'll give you 45 for your predictions. Please, what do you see coming down the pike? Let's look at 2020 so we give ourselves at least about a year and a half out. What do you see, Bernie Boyd? Just go. So, you know, when you're on someone's profile on LinkedIn, on the right-hand side, it says people also viewed. So LinkedIn is showing you other people that are similar to the profile that mm-hmm. you're on. So I think the sales tech stack is going to soon recommend, and this is mostly in medium to large enterprise sales, recommend people for a prospect who have something in common with that prospect. So the role of the sales professional is going to evolve to become sort of an orchestrator of the deal by doing a little matchmaking aided by technology. So maybe Michael Labate has something in common with this prospect and so I reach out to Michael and explore what the common denominators are and then explore ways to get Michael involved in the, in the deal. So that's one thing that I see uh, happening in the next couple of years. Thank you, Bernie. Gabe Villamizar, 45 seconds for you. Predict, please. Yeah, I, I see that this whole movement of, of people connecting and pitching and connecting and barfing, uh, you know, selling your product or services through, through social media is, is going to, uh, you know, end pretty soon, even though people are abusing it. And, 
and trying to do social selling in a crappy way. So with, with this whole training and movement and with more best practices that are readily available to everybody, I think the whole, uh, you know, inserting yourself or embedding yourself uh, and, and the buying process is going to be smoother and it's going to be, you know, greater adoption. Thank you, Michael Labadi. Oh, I've got 45 seconds for you. No more than that. Michael, go. I think we're going to see new ways to measure. We're going to be supplementing social selling index. We as a community, um, you're going to start seeing new indexes, uh, social selling key indices. You'll have indexes around pipeline. You'll have indexes around re- uh, revenue deal size, lead to acceptance ratios, win close rates. I think we're going to start to really see that business impact key index so that company in a small enterprise or a large enterprise knows, hey, how is my pipeline compared to other organizations that are doing social selling? How is my team comparing to another team? Or how am I comparing to my country or my region? So instead of static measurement from one sales rep and how they're doing against quota, I think you're going to start to see how an individual or a team compares to other teams like them. I think that's going to be the uh, the 2020 uh, uh, new, new way of measurement outlook. Thank you very much, and I'm going to do a prediction that I'm going to send an invitation very soon to Bernie Borges, Gabe Villamizar, and Michael Labadi to come back and do part two on our flagship show, Coffee Break with Game Changers, and I predict they're going to say yes. So there you go, because this is a bigger topic than one hour can contain. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and a pleasure speaking with my three experts again. Here's, well, thank you also to Aaron, our engineer at World Talk Radio, and here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. It's Speaking of Game Changers, I'll be back with the future of work with Game Changers, 12 noon, and we're going to talk about all things work, new work, and if you haven't heard the term Hugh Machine, H-U-M-A-C-H-I-N-E, we'll be explaining it with Martin Martin Wisowski and Michelle Serrier, 12 noon, right here on the Business Channel. Got to be there. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with Social Selling, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.